0: Olive oil is such a beautiful category because it's kind of like wine. There are varietals. The taste of the olive oil will depend on the varietal of the olive, similar to the varietal of the grape for wine. Time matters. Harvest practices matter. Terroir Mm -hmm. matters. So there's just a lot of really beautiful intricacies and nuances that exist.
1: You're listening to Sunday List, a podcast by To Do. Every episode, we're sitting down with some of our favorite creatives, founders, and entrepreneurs to talk about what they're doing, how they got there, and what they want to tackle next. Today we're sitting down with Aishwarya Iyer, the founder of Brightland, a company known for its happy, wholesome, and beautifully bottled olive oils and pantry essentials. Sourced from local growers in California, Brightland takes pride in working with family-run farms to preserve the quality, trust, and traceability of its products which is more than you could say for what you find on grocery store shelves. Launched in 2018, they've redefined an entire product category and paved the way for other direct-to-consumer food brands like it. Before we get started, if you're looking for an easy way to get organized, look no further. To Do is a thoughtfully constrained, minimalist to-do list app that is as simple as paper, because we believe simple stays organized. To Do helps you focus on the things you need to get done so you have more time for the things that matter. Start your 30-day free trial at to-do.com or download the free mobile app. Onto the interview. Welcome back to Someday List. Today I'm talking to Aishwarya Ayer, the founder of Brightland, a company making consciously crafted olive oils, vinegars, and other pantry essentials that you may have seen gracing the kitchens of Oprah, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Florence Pugh, just to name a few. Uh, I'm really excited to be talking to her today. Aishwarya, thank you so much for your time. It's really great to see you again.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. Happy Monday.
1: (laughs) Same to you. I feel like anyone who has been on Instagram uh, or online in the past four years has probably come across Brightland, but on the off chance that they haven't. Can you tell me a little bit about the company that you founded?
0: Yes. We make delicious, happy, wholesome olive oil. That's what we're most well-known for. We source Mm -hmm. directly from small family farms in California. We also make really wonderful fruit-forward vinegars and delectable honey. We've been around for about four years, like you said, and we're in hundreds of stores around the country, maybe thousands at this point. And people love to come to our website to buy us for themselves. And we make the perfect gift for any occasion.
1: Now, I think for the average consumer, when it comes to something that seems as everyday as like olive oil, you almost don't think about it. But when it comes to a product uh, category that you use so frequently, it's almost like you don't know what you don't know. What are some of the things that set Brightland apart and and some of the immediate differences that one might notice in, in an olive oil like Brightland? Versus what you find in a grocery store shelf.
0: Yeah. Lots of articles have come out about how tons of olive oil found in grocery shelves and just generally has been blended with canola oil or palm oil. There's a lot of miseducation and adulteration in the industry, apparently. Mm -hmm. So you know, we're really proud of our direct relationships with farmers. Like we're working with mom and pop, usually husband and wife teams, or like father-son sort of situations, multi-generational families who have been in olive oil in California. And we source directly from them. So we're really proud of the integrity of the craft behind the olive oil. And I think that, you know, another miseducation that people have is olive oil is such a beautiful, Category because it's kind of like wine. There are varietals. The taste of the olive oil will depend on the varietal of the olive, similar to the varietal of the grape for wine. Time matters, harvest practices matter, terroir Mm -hmm. matters. So there's just a lot of really beautiful intricacies and nuances that exist.
1: So we're going to dig a little bit more into that, but I always do like to sort of hit the rewind button a little bit, talk about some of the steps to getting to this point in your career. Uh, One of the things I noticed on your LinkedIn is you graduated from NYU Gallatin School of Individualized Study. I'm a little bit familiar with it, but can you maybe tell us a little bit about that program? Because it is sort of unique in and of itself and maybe what your individualized study was.
0: Yeah, Gallatin is a school within New York University University. Basically, you can create your own concentration. So you're taking a multidisciplinary approach to getting your bachelor's degree or master's. Essentially, you could take classes from any school within the university. So kids take law school classes, med school classes. you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much in med school, but like law school classes, (laughs) economics, theater. And you can basically stitch together a concentration that makes sense for you. So mine was... Media and globalization, with an emphasis on South Asian gender studies, which was a really beautiful. I was super interested in uh, microfinance at the time, like mm-hmm. the whole Kiva Grameen Bank. So this concentration made a ton of sense.
1: And so after that, you spent probably ten years or so working in various PR comms roles. What sort of pushed you or or encouraged you to? Because you did some independent consulting as well before starting.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Brightland,
1: but what was it that you were maybe lacking in, in your career up to that point, or that you were still seeking out in your career?
0: I don't know if it was lacking or seeking out. I think it mm-hmm. was just a calling towards this particular topic around olive oil. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never been, I don't know, I never was like, I need to become an entrepreneur. Or, I want to start something. It just so happened that this was something that I cared about. And then it ended up playing out in this way, honestly.
1: You've talked about it in other interviews. You've discovered since founding Brightland, this connection to food through your own ancestry. You have ancestors in India who are salt farmers. Prior to going on this journey with Brightland, what was your relationship with food growing up? You said you sort of had a passion with it. It was almost like a calling. What was it like?
0: Oh, yeah. It was sort of like everything in my household. You know, Mm -hmm. everything revolved around meals. Everything revolved around conversations around food. We we're very judgmental about what other people are serving or cooking. Um, <laughs> everything was very food-centric from like a how you communicate, how you care, how you talk about things. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very natural that I ended up in this.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 Similarly, growing up, food is almost like a love language in my own household. And I feel like I observe that in a lot of uh, immigrant households. Do you find that since starting Brightland, your relationship with food, with your family has deepened in, in new ways at all, or changed the conversations at all?
0: I don't live near my family, so mm. we don't live near each other. So unfortunately, we're not seeing each other that casually for it to, I think, really have an impact in that way. But I think that it's made me dig deeper with my own food memories, thinking mm-hmm. about early memories with my parents my dad making us pizza when I was young, my mom, you know, my grandparents making amazing Indian food. So I think it's just made me reflect more, which Mm -hmm. has been really special. There's a lot of nostalgia.
1: With that nostalgia, are there things that you want to bring, kind of bring back into your own life or introduce, whether it's cuisine or just how you integrate food into your own everyday life?
0: One thing I thought about a lot was how my mom used to entertain she, You know, we entertained all the time when I was younger and I sort of forgot about that time period and she'd have 15 to 50 people over at our house and she would cook everything. I do love having people over, but the last few years, I mean, with the pandemic too, you know, it's just been mm-hmm. a little, little touch and go. So now I'm like really excited about it. And I think a lot about, you know, what what were the small little touches that she did and what, you know, the things she did to like add a little bit of elegance into into her hosting
1: yeah it's really impressive my parents used to host a ton and it, you know host huge potlucks and and uh just the variety of dishes they would prepare for any one given meal or even just day-to-day what i ate for dinner growing up and one of the things i've noticed with myself getting older is like the conversations i have with my family now my parents will ask what are you eating or my mom will ask you know like what type of food are you making every day How do I tell my mom? I'm just looking up recipes on like half-baked harvest, uh, you know, I'm paying a lot closer attention to what my mom makes on the holidays and actually pay attention to the quick tips she gives me. Totally. But in the beginning of Brightland, you were, you were personally boxing and shipping. All the first thousand orders of the products. Now that you're four years into the business, how has your relationship to the business and and the work itself changed? Do you find your work life balance getting more frenetic, healthier, trending healthier or more balanced, hopefully?
0: I don't really know what balance means for anybody, Um, (laughs) but I don't know. I've always made sure to get eight hours plus of sleep. I have most of my weekends. I don't really work evenings. Mm-hmm. I don't really work, so uh, I I don't know. I I think that I set my own boundaries for myself of what I want. Yeah, I mean it, things have changed a ton, right? You know, I'm no longer shipping to say the least, and <laughs> we ship thousands and thousands of boxes. So um, it's definitely evolved. I have a wonderful team. Mm-hmm. Very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I think the challenges have changed, but that's okay. We've all changed, you know, over time too.
1: Mm-hmm. I like how you said it. the challenges have changed. Do you have any advice for for founders who might find themselves maybe in sort of the thickest thick of it? Any best practices or tips for setting those boundaries for yourself and, and what maybe has been the most beneficial for you?
0: I think it just depends on what kind of life someone wants. You know, like some people, they're super thrilled to be working super late at night, that's where their best ideas come out. Some people want to work on the weekends because that's what gives them purpose. And different people have seasons. Like I had a time in my life, in my career, where I went in at 7, left at 8 or 9 p.m., went out for dinner after that. Like That was my life, and I loved it. So I just don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. It's just mm. really what you want to do with your life. And so I would recommend for anyone listening to be introspective about that first rather than try to like take somebody else's playbook or their best practices because what's right for someone else may not be right for you.
1: Now this one is maybe a bit of a a chicken or an egg question. Brightland has gotten all this attention and and is doing incredibly well. A lot of people consider it sort of like a, a pioneer in the direct consumer food product space. Do you think that getting to this point with the business has allowed you to maybe pump the brakes or or breathe a little easier now? Or do you find that having that balance between work and life, uh, whatever balance means to one person, enables you to continue uh, working at this level?
0: I I think it's personal. I have no idea. And I don't (laughs) think it's gotten easier. I think that it's gotten harder, if anything. Like all of it's gotten harder. So there's no such thing as it being easy ever. And Uh I talk to people who have 500 employees and they're still saying how hard it is. Yeah. Those founders tell me how hard it is still. I was just talking to a founder who took his company public last year and you would think, oh, you know, he's taken the company public. He must be, he is still in it and in, in the grind.
1: Mm-hmm. With the challenges changing, like you said, it, it doesn't get easier, right? And, and so what are the sort of things that you spend your time thinking about now versus towards the beginning of Brightland? What are the kind of goals that you set for yourself?
0: I spend a lot of time thinking about scale. I spend it, which it's a lot of the fundamental things haven't changed. It's just Mm -hmm. the scale of them has changed. You know, I try to like live in gratitude with it because it's a good, these are all good things. And I think that's the other thing. I think we forget too soon and too much that everything is temporary. Mm -hmm. It's all passing us by anyway. So you might as well embrace whatever is happening in the moment. Mm -hmm. especially these types of manufactured realities that we've created.
1: This interview is brought to you by to do you're juggling a lot and you don't know where to start. We've all been there. And that's why we made to do with the core belief that less is more to do is the minimalist to do list app to ease your cognitive burdens. We are the most refreshing task manager in a sea of monster energy drinks, no pings, no feeds, no comments, just you and the things you need to get done in a simple intuitive interface. Use code someday list for 20% off when you subscribe at T-E-U-X-D-E-U-X dot com. Back to the interview. One of the things you guys did, you just launched a new product, which was the pizza oil. How does the sort of ideation process for a new product begin? And how long is that runway from idea to it coming out and releasing on Brightland's website?
0: It sort of depends, but it starts with, is the customer asking for it? In some cases, they are. It could be our team has a strong, you know, opinion or a point of view on a particular category or topic. For a pizza oil, for example, one of my earliest memories was seeing my dad make pizza. My husband and I love eating pizza. As a team, we love pizza. And so we felt like it was such a I don't know. The brand is happy, so why not build some fun into it too by adding something into the mix that makes everybody really joyful, and that's pizza.
1: One of the things with the release of the product, I've seen you guys have been doing events on both coasts, Brightland Pizza parties. There is sort of this element of community, and, and maybe this goes back to you, your communications background and telling the story of it. Have you been able to rely on sort of the the past skill set you had in that in this phase of your career?
0: Yeah, the, the probably the biggest thing from comms PR that I've taken away is in comms, you're always, you have to be comfortable with discomfort because mm-hmm. you may not know what a story is going to end up looking like. You do your very best. It's a job where you're out of control a lot. Things are not in your control. Whereas a, not a lot of other jobs like engineering and, you know, whatever, you're like typing away or you're coding and that's your, you can control the things mm-hmm. around you to a certain extent. In comms, you just don't have as much control, and that is what it's like to build a company. So I think it's actually a really incredible skill to be able to have peace and and not be flustered that things are outside of your control, one. And two, you're going to be uncomfortable a lot. Yeah, that's what I would say from a comms
1: perspective. Mm-hmm. With that background and and being a startup founder do you find that your mechanism for handling uncertainty or self doubt is maybe better trained now
0: maybe i don't know yeah. i mean again <laughs> I, I don't know what it would be like if i hadn't had that but <laughs> but i think that it helped
1: uh-huh now one of the things i wanted to touch on and we've talked a little bit about is food is obviously a big part of your life it's a big part of your family growing up and how you communicated with each other and communicated love. That sort of provides a good context for something you've launched recently, which is more of a personal project, which is your podcast, Recent Eats. Can you tell me a little bit about the show itself and why you felt so compelled to start it?
0: Yes. Well, first of all, I love that you were a guest on Recent Eats. episode <laughs> is forthcoming. For <laughs> yes, of course. The episode is forthcoming. Um, I think that, you know, growing up, the number one question that my parents asked and still ask is, what did you eat? Mm-hmm. And so I realized that I have this fascination with what other people are eating. I ask my team all the time what mm-hmm. they ate for breakfast or lunch that day. So I thought, why not ask interesting people what they've been eating lately? And yeah. let's see what people are eating. And I've been having a blast with it. It's totally a personal project. It's not affiliated with Brightland on an official basis at all. and. um Having a lot
1: of fun. So maybe for like a, a, a quick simulation of it, what does a startup founder like yourself eat on a day-to-day basis?
0: Day-to-day what, day or what did I eat today? Which I'm off today. which
1: is um, different. Let's make it a two-parter. Day-to-day, what are maybe your like food habits? How much time do you allot yourself for making food at home or are you, are, are you big at-home cooking? And then my follow-up question to that would be, we are recording this on a holiday weekend. Uh, which again thank you for your time what are you eating on like a a summer holiday or like bringing to do you have like a go-to summer potluck dish
0: yeah i'll talk first about what i ate today Mm -hmm. i started the day with an acai bowl and i got it from a spot in venice called loco coco we went to venice this morning to meet some friends and then we took our dogs for a long walk and then we went to pick up um Loco Coco. And I got an acai bowl with almond butter, uh, fruit, granola, berries. It was just really perfect. And then for lunch, I had a bagel sandwich, also from a spot in Santa Monica called Jan Isaac. They make delicious breads. And I had a toasted poppy seed bagel with cucumber, dill, basil, tomato, cream cheese. Cracked black pepper, some lemon juice, a little bit of olive oil on it. And it was really Mm. fantastic. And that was breakfast and lunch so far.
1: That sounds delicious. The follow-up question to that would be, do you have like a go-to summer potluck thing that you like to bring for friends or like to make for friends?
0: Oh, yes. I love making pasta salad. So that's my favorite. And my favorite pasta salad recipe has sun-dried tomatoes and regular tomatoes tossed in with pepperoncini, some capers. Maybe some cucumber, red wine vinegar. The mm. Brightland pizza oil actually in a pasta salad is very good. Um, and then like a Spokalini pasta.
1: Ooh, that sounds really great. My, my wife made a pasta salad this weekend. that was like, uh, uh, mayo, red wine vinegar, uncured salami in it. Cucumber maybe? I'll have to ask her for the recipe again, but it was, it was nice. uh, spot on. Um, and then uh, my last question for you is maybe, do you have a favorite way uh, of, if you're bringing Brightland, Do you have a favorite way of introducing Brightland olive oil to people or enjoying it with someone?
0: Yes. I love (laughs) introducing it to people through ice cream, actually. Oh, wow. So I love giving people like vanilla ice, vanilla bean ice cream, Mm -hmm. drizzle a little bit of the Brightland olive oil on top, some sea salt, and it's really game-changing.
1: That's awesome. I'm going to have to try that.
0: You should definitely Uh, (laughs) try it.
1: It's really good. And do you have dinner plans for this evening on your Monday off?
0: I actually don't. Okay. I have no idea what I'm going to be eating.
1: Well, I hope you have uh, an incredible meal for your your last meal of the day. Uh, thank you, Shwaria Ayer. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Where can our listeners find you and Brightland and your podcast Recent Eats online?
0: Yes, they can find Brightland at brightland.co on the internet and at We are Brightland on Instagram. I'm Hello Aishwarya on Instagram. And then Recent Eats is on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and Recent Eats Pod on Instagram. Thank you so much for having me, Evan. This was so fun.
1: Always a blast chatting with you uh, and always a blast chatting food with you. This conversation has made me pretty hungry, so I'm excited to also go have dinner soon. And that will do it for this episode of Someday List. We will catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Someday List. For more interviews, you can follow the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or follow along at to do app on Instagram and TikTok or at to do on Twitter. You can learn more about Brightland at brightland.co or at wearebrightland on Instagram. And make sure to check out Aishwarya's new podcast, Recent Eats. This podcast is produced by To Do. Our theme music is composed by Evan Laybourne. I want to thank our guest Aishwarya again. And of course, thank you, the listener. We'll see you around.